Good morning. So, the topic of the class is, is milk kosher. But before we start the class, I want to share two things. First of all, in this week's parsha, we start off with Avram Avinu, exemplar, exemplary lesson of Hachnosos Archim, of inviting guests. Hashem is coming to visit him, Bikr Chaylim, because he's uh, weak after having done the, the bris milah. And Hashem makes it extra, extra hot, so that he shouldn't be, just, he shouldn't have to um, in, entertain guests under such conditions. And then, despite that, Avraham Avinu is still disturbed. He wants to be able to host, uh, to, to do Achnasasarchim, to host the guest. And so Hashem sends him these three angels, appearing to him as humans. And Avraham Avinu certainly thought they were humans, to, certainly to begin with. And Avraham Avinu goes and engages in Erech Nasusarchim. Now we're going to talk l- more about the rest of that story soon in the in the, in the topic of the class because um, that comes okay, that comes up later in the discussion of milk. But first, the beginning of the story is that ha- that he gave them that Avraham Avinu is in the middle of an audience one on one with God, and he says, "God, hold on a second, and I'm going to take um, the guest, take care of the guest." And we learn from here. That um, is greater than than a one-on-one audience with God. Now the question is, how do we know that Achnasus is greater than a one-on-one audience with God? Well, we learn it out from the the model that Avraham Avinu practiced. But the question is, well, how did Avraham Avinu know that? How did Avraham Avinu know that that was the right thing to do? So Ari, we, did, we touched upon this yesterday, but I remembered this vart, and again, I have in my head that this is a vart from the Rebbe, maybe it's from others, I don't remember exactly, but the idea, the, the, the answer that, that suggested is that if it were true, you got to get your Gemara cups on over here, if it were true that an audience with God is more important than Achanos Yisarchim, then there would have been no need for Hashem to make it extra hot that day. Why do you have to make it extra hot so that there shouldn't be any travelers so Avram won't be distracted with the guests? He's anyway not going to be distracted with the guests because he's in the middle of an audience with God. So from the fact that Hashem had to deliberately make it unusually hot that day so that there shouldn't be any travelers so as not to disturb Avram, that's how Avram deduced that he's supposed to go and take um, care of the guests. Now, in Chabad history, um, in not Chabad, in Chassidus history, this story has a, um, an important uh, place because the founder of the Chassidus was the Baal Shem Tev. His parents, like Avraham and Sarah, were childless for many years. And the story is told that there was... Um, one second. He was a big Machnus Eirach, and every Shabbos he used to have 20, 30 people at his table. Now, one Shabbos, somebody, a traveler, wandered in the middle of Shabbos. And the Baal Shem Tev's father, Rabbi Eliezer, he invited this person in, and he said, oh, did he make Kiddush yet? And he, he gave him covid Mulachim, he really he took care of him nicely. Now, um, so the other guests who were there, they were heckling him, like, what's this business? This guy comes on Shabbos, he came from outside of the... T- he wasn't driving it. <laughs> he came from outside the Tchum, he came from beyond the area where you're allowed to travel on Shabbos. What sort of business is this? Right? We see from Avram Avinu, who's the 
prototype of Hachnosus Orchim, and even he, when he had guests come, if they, would, if, they, if they wouldn't bench, if they wouldn't keep Torah properly, he would make their lives a misery. He would say, no, you got to bench. So where do you get this audacity to, um, to, to, to be nice, even to such guests who are not uh, Shabbos observant? Now, nowadays, that might sound a bit harsh to our ears, but I, that, was, I, that was probably the norm in those days, that, that attitude. Um, and so Rabbi Lezer himself went, uh, was, was very <coughs> disturbed by this. He wasn't sure what to do. And he, went, he goes off to a side room and he's crying. Um, and what's the end of the story? It turns out that this guest was, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm reading, uh, it was on the Oanovi, and he came to tell him that he would have a child. And indeed, um, the next year, the Baal Shem Tov was born. And um, the Baal Shem Tov was born and... Uh, uh, the very they, they were they were both very old. The Barshamta's parents. Uh, that's that story. So, you know, w- w- what about their claim that Avraham Avinu? So, for one, it's true that Avraham Avinu Im- used his hotel to influence the people to recognize God and to bench. Avraham Avinu also invited in these angels, who Rashi says that he thought that they were Arvim Shemishtachim Lavakar Glam. He thought that these people were Arabs who bowed to the dust of their feet. Right? Now, whatever the, exactly that represents, there's a lot of talk about that in Mefarshim. What, what, what are we symbolizing by saying that they bowed to the dust of their feet? But the point is that these were really, they were pagans, they were really lowlifes. And yet, Avraham Avinu, even to them, was Machnus Erech. Okay. Now, yesterday, while I was learning the parsha, I had another another thought came to mind along the same along the same theme. <coughs> Avraham Avinu is told in last week's parsha to leave go lechlecha, and he takes Lot with him. And I didn't do the math of exactly how many years Lot was with him, but he was with him for a while. And then eventually, it, it can't go on. Why can't it go on? Rashi says, "I'm sorry, Ari, can you pass me a chumash?" The on the other side. There was a machloikus between the shepherds of Avram and Lot. And Avram says to him, There shouldn't be uh, arguments between me and you. Because we are brothers, even though they weren't literally brothers, but it means they were relatives. So what does it mean that we're relatives and therefore we shouldn't fight? In other words, he's telling him, it's best for, for our relationship, it's best that we're from a distance. Sometimes that's necessary, the relationship's from a difference. Now, a couple of sukkim later, says that, um, Hashem says to Avram, after Lot separated from him, raise up your eyes and see, I'm going to give you this whole land. So Rashi quotes the words after Lot left him. And he says that all the years that Lot was with him, Hashem's communication was removed from him. So think about this, right? All of these years that Lot is with him, I, I, I want to just preface that what I'm saying now is a bit of a chiddush, because if you look in the classical commentaries, certainly the Erechaim and also in some of the versions of Rashi and, and other Mepharshim also, Avram is at least somewhat implicitly criticized for having taken Lot with to begin with. 
Hashem told you to go. He didn't tell you to take you to Lloyd, to take Lloyd with him. There, Rachaim writes that in a couple of places. But nevertheless, Maaseh obviously similar bonim that we take lesson from everything that the obvious did, and I think Sorry. it's also, I think it's also um, certainly uh, possible and appropriate to take a to take a, a positive lesson from this whole episode. Avram takes Lloyd with him. Now Avram realizes that since Lloyd is in his company. He's not getting this, uh, his communication with Hashem has slowed down. Suddenly Hashem is the Diburis Parish Mimeno. And Avram could have said, Avram could have said, you know what, this is not working. Clearly, your company is infringing upon my relationship with Hashem. I need you out. But he doesn't do that. <coughs> Despite the fact that he's no longer having communication with Hashem, or at least not having communication on the same level, like the Mepharshim discuss. Nevertheless, he's keeping light with him because that's what important. That what's important. And here's the here's the real important point. Even when he does send light away, because sometimes we're in a circumstance where we do have to cut off from a certain relationship. But even when he does that, he doesn't do it because you're too bad. He does it. Avram is telling light, I love you. I cherish our relationship, and. For the benefit of our relationship, for, the, for your benefit, Lloyd, you need to leave. It's difficult to ha- ask you to leave, but for the benefit of the... He's not, Avram is not sending Lloyd away so that he could have a better relationship with Hashem. He's sending Lloyd away so that he could have a better, better relationship with Lloyd. And the proof is that in the next parak, when Lloyd is in trouble, Avram's got his back. <laughs> so, 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 so... So this was something that occurred to me yesterday, yesterday during laning, and um, I think that it, yeah, it's something that's on my mind a lot. You know, in today's world, there's people faced with all sorts of challenges and uh, family and relationships and friends and social things, and it's always a difficult question to ask: Do you cut off? Don't you cut off? How much do you cut off? And that's a very subjective question. But perhaps the lesson from this is that if you ever have to say no to a guest, or no to a family member, or no to a, uh, to a friendship. The, the lesson is, don't say no because your, your relationship with Hashem is going to suffer. Say no. If you have to say no, say no because Anyway. Yeah, now, yes. I always thought it was Lord that wanted to leave because they didn't want to get into an argument over who owned what. No. Physics is the opposite. No. Okay. Now, back to our story. The topic at hand is, is milk kosher. Now, I'm really what I'm planning to talk about is the Gemara, the very the, <laughs> the meat of the sugya, no pun intended. <laughs> but um, it was mentioned here about Chol of Trefa, so I'll just touch upon that. Um, there is um, actually a <coughs> podcast about this, which I sent you the link to Ari, and I could send it to anybody else if you care. But for many years, there was this idea that about the, the, there's a certain surgery that is commonly done on the cows and the milking cows, which renders them halachically trefa, which renders the milk that come from those animals not kosher. Now, many people, for many years, said, were, were arguing that this is another argument for Chalav Yisrael, that even if you don't, even if you in theory accept Ramesha's Hatter that Chalev companies that um, milk produced in the United States or similar countries with strict government um, oversight, um, you can rely on that to be considered Chalav Yisrael, right? Um, nevertheless, 
the, the, the additional virtue of the Chalav Yisrael farms is that they're keeping track to make sure they're not using these cows which have this surgery to the stomach. And even though scientifically, medically, these cows can live long, healthy, li- healthy lives after they have this surgery, halakhically they're considered trefer and the milk that comes from those cows is trefer. Now the truth is there's also other issues with Chalav trefer because if you speak to a sheikhat you'll know that um, <coughs> in, 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 most, in America certainly depends on the, how they breed the cows and etc. But in America, um, you, the amount of cows that are shechted that are actually kosher is very low, maybe 10%, 20%, somewhere around there. Um, most of the cows that they shecht have issues with the lungs and they're not kosher. So the argument could be made, and this is possible, possible Rabbi Herschel argument, I don't know, that that's why no milk is kosher because in America, because the chances are that it came from a cow that has an issue with its lungs. So I don't know. Can I just make an yes. They don't shift. They don't shift milk cows. Yeah, yeah the dairy steers. No, they don't shech them. It doesn't matter that they don't shech them. The, what matters so is that bull game. It does, no, because if a milk comes out from a cow that is, if the cow has an issue with its lung, it is trefa. Even if you never end up shechting it, it is a trefa. Oh, you know, they Oh, oh, oh! You don't know how the lungs of the milk cows are. Men and women are different. Okay, just one second. Let me. Men and women. Yeah, it's a different breed of cows. You gotta speak up. We have uh, someone from Eretz Yisrael talking. This, 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 if I'm getting you right, you're saying this animal, female or not female, the whole class of animals, Rubo, are trait. Jochen is making a valid point that it could be that. The statistics. That, but the main thing I wanted to mention was about the surgery, the stomach surgeries, which I forget what they're called. Right. Ask anybody in America until about six months ago who knows about kashrus, they'll tell you. 80% of the cows and dairy farms have the surgery at our trefa or 90%, whatever it is. Now, those numbers were perpetuated, um, I believe, sometime in the 80s um, when some people made some phone calls to some dairy farms, and this is how um, this is the information they found out. Now, now, in this past year, there's an individual, I forget his name, he lives in the East Coast, he wrote a sefer called Chol of Trefa. And it was such a popular sefer, they had to right away make a second printing of it. It was, I, I don't know if they still have it, I definitely saw it in, uh, I didn't buy it, but I did see it in Kashastam. Now, he basically did thorough scientific investigative research with real statistics and real numbers, and he also goes through the sugyas very, very in-depth. And if I'm to tr- take his word for it, he completely debunks the myth. That um, basically, his main two points are, first of all, it's just not true, the amount of animals that actually have this surgery is a very small percentage, and B... Um, even if, uh, and, and basically he, his point is that if you go through the sugyas and you go through the statistics, it makes absolutely no sense to be machmer on that. Again, I, I'm not going to pretend, I don't know that sugya. I could send you the link to the podcast interview with him, and uh, you're welcome to listen to it. By the way, but, a, yeah. on, the, on this thing about what, what is Reversal Schechter's issue, he's, he's going on the assumption that it is a minority of, of, of cows that are, that are dairy farms. That are trefas, but right. the point is, is that, that since they take all that milk and they mix them together, now you need shishin. If you would just be drinking from one cow and then you two, you took the milk from that. If you believe his statistics, you have a lot more than shishin. What? If you believe this guy's statistics, you have a lot more than shishin. You have less than shishin. A lot more, more than more. shishin. Got, it's a bottle, but, you know, and it's bottle and a lot number. more than shishin. Shachter, again, I don't know if he's read Chalav Trefa and changed his mind le- or not. You need less. I mean, Reb Herschel Shachter is, 
is arguing that more than a sixtieth of the milk in the big vats comes from those cows. He's saying comes that that's from the, cows that are that are trepas. Yeah, Meaning it could be like 20 percent of cows are trepas. Yeah. But nevertheless, he says you. Won't I don't think it's about this particular. Anyway, I, I, I think it's about just in general that there's this a certain percentage of cows that are that are trepas, lungs, uh, stomach, whatever. Again, it's my same question. Yeah, can't go with that. All right, these are dairy cows. You never even look. Can you tell me if this is a relevant mm. question, but what don't is even it? Look there. Right. But what is it about the surgery? Could be. I mean, could be. Everybody's slow. It makes a hole in the stomach. It makes a hole in the stomach. It's nothing. So you can't even know. They close up the hole, but that doesn't help halachically. All right. I don't think the Gemara okay. that way. Now, I got some feedback mainly from Rebruve after last week that um, we had this sort of ad hoc, ad hoc or somewhat less prepared um, class. <coughs> And Bob said he appreciated that better, so gee, thanks. But I'm not sure if what he enjoyed more was the fact that I didn't prepare, or the fact, <laughs> or the fact that it was the sort of the topic of halacha connected with the parsha. But I'll do my best. You know, always trying to make uh, the class improve. Baruch Hashem, the Rebbe always made a big deal about having learning Torah with a minion. So Baruch Hashem, we have a minion here. Yeah. All right. So. There's a Gemara in Bechayres. First of all, there's a Mishnah. First, quote the Mishnah. The Mishnah is on Bechayres, Tafheim at base, where it says, "Behema tohayres yoldu kamin behema tmeya muter baachila." Tmeya sheyoldu kamin behema tohayra also baachila. So, if you have a cow who gives birth to a camel, don't ask me how that would be possible, um, right? That camel, that camel. Well, the, the, but, but practically speaking, if you have a cow that gives birth to an animal that doesn't have split hooves and doesn't chew its cud, right? So that animal is kosher, even though it doesn't have the signs of a kosher animal, but because its parents, its mother at least, is, I think it's a machlokas, whether you count the father or not, I'll upon him, um, because the mother of that cow is a kosher animal, of that animal is a kosher animal, that is considered kosher. Vice versa, if a camel gives birth to some sort of deformed camel that does have split hooves, well, a camel anyway has split hooves, but that does chew its cud, um, so then um, then that animal would not be kosher. Okay. Because the principle is that something that emerges from something non-kosher remains non-kosher. Something that emerges from... Well, what about honey? Um, oh, one second, one second, one second. One thing at a time. That's a sweet question. That's a great question. We're actually not going to talk about it, but that is the, the, the same Gemara discusses that. How do we know what's with honey? But we're going to talk about milk, because milk also comes, we'll see. All right. So the Gemara goes through a lot of Drasha Saksuvim to try and figure out how we know all of this. We're not going to go into all those details. Well, I want to get to the point of the milk. So um, the, the, um, the Gemara says that there's a certain pasuk from the fact that it says the word gomel twice, or from the fact that it says es hagomel, whatever the case is, that pasuk teaches us that not only are camels non-kosher, but also milk of a camel is non-kosher. Okay, so we have this extra pasuk to teach us that the milk of a camel is not kosher. Frak the Gemara, why do I need a special pasuk? You have to keep track a little bit over here. Why do you need this extra pasuk to tell you that the milk of a ca- camel is not kosher? We have another pasuk, which says hatmeim, and it's in the context of... of, of um, Insects, I believe, where it says, There's a special word in the Pasuk that tells me that the juice, the gravy, and the, any sort of liquid um, discharge, so to speak, of, these, of anything non kosher, of these insects, is also not kosher. So, why do I need, yeah, you follow, why do I need a special Pasuk to tell me? A special word in the Torah to tell me that milk, that camel milk is not kosher. Anyway, camel milk is not kosher because it's 
the discharge, so to speak, it's the discharge of something not kosher. That word? Hatmeim. Hatmeim. Yeah. Okay. So the Gemara says like this. Sol kadait so therefore, it's, I'm going to skip the thing, right? So the Gemara says like this. The reason why, it says, even though you have this Pasuk Atmeim, so you already know that any discharge from a non-kosher item is also non-kosher, you still need a special Pasuk to tell you that camel milk is non-kosher. Why? Because the fact that cow milk is kosher is in and of itself a novel idea. We'll see in a minute why. Cow milk should also not be kosher. And therefore, but yet it is kosher. So you might have thought that milk is an exception to the rule. It's true that discharge from non-kosher is not kosher, but milk is an exception. Just like cow milk is an exception, maybe camel milk is also an exception. That's why you need an extra puzzle to tell you that camel milk is not kosher. Now, why, why is... Why would you think that? Why would you think that? Why would you think that camel milk, sorry, that cow milk should not be kosher <laughs> and the fact that it's kosher is an exception? So first, the Gemara says, according to one opinion, because you would think that milk is blood, because there's a, well, one shit in the Gemara that the milk comes from the blood. Oh, yeah. Because we don't pass in that way, but, the, but, but the, there is a shit in the Gemara that milk comes from the blood. That's why a woman doesn't usually menstruate when she's nursing, because the blood becomes a milk. We don't pass in that way. But anyway, so, but, so maybe the milk is blood. But then the Gemara says, what's relevant to our discussion, you may have thought, and let me read this from the professional English of Rabbi Schwartzstein. By the way, just, yeah. just because we don't hold that way, logically, it doesn't mean that it isn't. Scientifically? No, I mean, there's sheetas of how milk is made. So that's a, we, there are two sheetas. Embryologically, right? milk so comes from a sweat gland. It's a modified sweat gland. All right, that's uh, a bit of a sad thing. You may have thought, since there is nothing that comes from a live animal that the mercy for one permitted, yet milk is a kosher animal, is like a limb from a live animal. So, just like we know, you're not allowed to have a limb from a live animal. So, milk should not be allowed because it's like a limb from a live animal. And yet, milk is allowed. Right? So Kamash Malon, so therefore, so 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 the Hilkach, I feel the behemoth to me of the Shri Kamash Malon. So therefore, you might have thought that because the Torah makes an exception, even though milk is even minachai, it's a limb from a live animal. Yet the Torah says you are allowed milk. So you might have thought, okay, so so milk is, a, is an exception to the rule. So by the same token, maybe camel milk is also allowed. So therefore, we have this puzzle gummel gummel to tell you that camel milk is not allowed. Wait. Now hold on a second, you're telling me. That cow milk is allowed despite it being Eva Menachai. Who says? Maybe cow milk is also not kosher. Well, I'm, I, I, I don't know if everybody followed this. Like why, how did we get that it should be Eva Menachai? It's obviously not the Aver. Oh, we're gonna, well, that's what we're going to talk about. I just want to get the Gemara case and then we'll discuss the Eva Menachai. The Gemara sets this premise. It doesn't actually say that it is Eva Menachai, to be the precise words of the right. Gemara is. Ki Eva Menachai, yeah. it's like a limb from a live animal, right? It's like a limb from a live animal. Okay. So Why therefore... Like? Well, it's, it's a derivative of a live animal. Okay, well, we'll get into... We're going to dive, dive deeper into that in a moment. Okay. But the Gemara has this assumption that milk is, deriv- is like a li- limb of a live animal. Okay? That's what the Gemara says. Let's just take it at face value for right now. But then... Yes? It's like... Uh, it's not actually... It's not actually what kind of food it 
be you get a Havi Mita that's an Easter Durabanan well, I, well I, I'm going to get to all this in a moment. I just want to finish the Gemara, no, yes? I'm just saying it says right in the, right the parashat. Oh, you know, so. Steve, this is like the third week in a row where you steal my thunder. Oh, <laughs> <I'm sorry>. <laughs> 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 All right, so one second, one second. We'll, we'll get to this, okay? One second, but let's first finish the, the Gemara. Is how do we know? Let's first finish the Gemara. There's one more important piece of the Gemara. How do you know that milk is kosher? Maybe milk is takanat kosher because it's the derivative of a live animal. So the Gemara answers, before we see what Steve answers, the Gemara answers, it's a whole long shtick on the Gemara, and there's a number of suggestions, but let's just pick the, in the end of the Gemara, there's three possible viable su- uh, suggestions, and the one that's probably the easiest to, t- to talk about is because it says, Erezovus Chalavadvash, uh, Israel is a land uh, flowing of milk and honey, so obviously the Torah wouldn't tell you that milk is, is permissible, it wouldn't compare, talk about Israel being flowing with milk if milk was forbidden, <laughs> and therefore we know that say, milk is kosher, and that's also... Um, say it's a land flowing with, flowing with blood, right? Like, no, but that's also that's then to your question, how do we know that honey's kosher is also from that posuk? Mm. Land from, if I recall correctly. Frech, Reb Steve, why do you need to tell me Eretz Ovas Chalavadvash? It's right here in the parsha. Avram feeds the malachim butter and milk. He takes butter and milk and he feeds it to the angels. Now, elaborate a little bit on your proof. What's the proof? The proof is that Abraham served it. But maybe they weren't keeping kosher. It was a park well, also, the they a- they're angels and they don't eat it either, this right? Was, okay, this well, wasn't yeah. kosher in those times. Food would, food, all kinds of foods were permissible. Okay. Yeah, well, who's to say that... Remember, Steve Avinu is on the ball here. What? Who's to say Avram Avinu would, be keep it, would necessarily be keeping kosher, or at least his guests would be keeping kosher. If you want to say that Avram already had the din of a yid... Guys, guys, you guys, I'm missing, you, guys, you, guys, you guys completely off the mark here. Steve's got this. Okay, so... I, 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 it's one of the seven Noachide laws. If you say that milk is not kosher because it's one of the Eivah Menachai, Eivah Menachai is forbidden to B'nai Noach. Certainly Avram was keeping it, and certainly Avram, even if he didn't think his guests were all that from, he wouldn't serve them something that God said not to eat. This doesn't last week. We touched upon the whole conversation. If, if, if Avram had the din of a Ben Noach or a din of a Yid, that's irrelevant. Here, it's certainly... it's also Eivah Menachai is also B'nai Noach. Okay, so, so far we have two problems with this discussion of the Gemara. Problem number one, which I think a lot of people had, is what's this idea that the Gemara is saying that milk is an Eva Minachai. Milk does, doesn't appear to be a limb of an animal. And number two, and this is why I'm giving the class today, is why doesn't the Gemara bring a proof from our Parsha that milk is permissible from the fact that Avraham Avinu gave milk and butter to the Malachim. Okay, so let's step back a little bit and figure out what Eivah Menachai is all about. So the truth is that there are two of the 613 mitzvahs that govern eating something from a live animal. Mm-hmm. In halachic, what? Well, in halachic, before we get to the seven mitzvahs, in the 613 Jewish mitzvahs, in halachic uh, vernacular, it's called Eivah Menachai and Basar Menachai. One of those two things. So, there's a pasuk in Parshas Mishpatim, in Exodus chapter 22. Dan, you got that? Verse 30, I think it's the last pasuk of that parak, where it says, You should be holy to me. You should not eat meat in the field that is trefa, that is, um, trefa literally means torn. torn. So the Rambam says 
based on the Gemaras, of course, in Hilchis Machalus Asuris, Perak Dalit. Remember, with chapter 4 of Machalus Asuris, soon we're going to talk about chapter 5 of Machalus Asuris. Chapter 4 of Machalus Asuris talks about trefa. Trefa means, uh, what does it mean? You're not allowed to eat an animal that's trefa. You're not allowed to eat an animal that had. Okay, so first of all, in stages, first of all, an animal was attacked. You have a, sh- uh, a cow, a sheep in the field, and it was attacked by a lion. That animal is trefa. You're not allowed to eat it. Now, it doesn't actually, it's not about whether it was attacked, it means if it was wounded by the animal. And then the Rambam goes on to explain that it doesn't really matter if it happened in the field or it happened in the house, and it doesn't matter, matter if it happened by a lion or it happened by a knife. The point is that he has this type of wound. Okay? So that's where we get it from, that if an animal has a hole in the lungs, even though the animal never saw a lion, that animal is not kosher. It's called treif. Now, colloquially, we use the word treif for anything that's not kosher, but... Strictly speaking, the word halachically, the word trefa refers to this specific type of not kosher, an animal that has a certain type of wound. And then that's the Gemara, then the create a lot of confusion. Yeah, and then the Rambam continues. If somebody cuts off a piece of meat from a living animal, that piece of meat is also trefa. Listen carefully. If you eat a kezayis of that piece of meat, so you go into the field, you slice off a piece of uh, flesh from the cow, and you eat an olive bulk of it, right? Then that's a violation of trefa, and you get malchus. This meat, the Rambam put until now he's quoted the Gemara. Now the Rambam gives a reason, which this reason doesn't say anywhere in the Gemara. This is the Rambam explaining the way he understands the Gemara. This meat comes from an animal that was not shechted, nor did it die. So what difference does it make if it was torn off by a lion or some other wild animal, or if it was torn off with a knife? Mali Mali Bakula, Mali That's it. Why don't they get to that? You already have the Isra Basar Menachai. Why do you need to talk about. This is the Isra Basar Menachai, Trefa. So you're talking Eva Menachai. No, it's What we're speaking now is Basim. No, it's not. That's exactly what I'm saying now. This is the Rambam and Machalis Asuris. He has not yet said a word about Eva Menachai. He's only said about Basar Menachai. Just I'm using these Hebrew words. Let's get them clear. Basar Menachai means meat from a live animal. Eva Menachai means a limb from a live animal. We'll see soon what the difference is. But first, let's say What's what the Rambam... What's bothering me is that when you look at Parshish Noach, when it starts presenting... We'll get that. We're going to touch all upon all of this. Okay? Again, so far what the Rambam has said is that if a person cuts off a piece of meat from a live animal and he eats a kazais, it's very important, he eats a kazais of that meat. It's true. He has violated, which, which Avera has he violated? The, vi- the violation of Trefa. Mm-hmm. That's the, which one of the 613 mitzvahs is it? The mitzvah, <coughs> the, the mitzvah of not eating Trefa. Okay, it's actually mm-hmm. mitzvah it's 70, I think in the, it's, it's in the 70s. Mitzvah, it's, it's this week's, uh, I think it's this week's... Uh, Sefer Yeah, Sefer It's in Chinnah? No, no, no. No, it's not in this week's Sefer Mitzvahs. In this week, Sulaim Mukdashin also quotes this pasuk, so it could be this pasuk is quoted in this week's Sefer Mitzvahs, but not this specific. Um, okay, then we get into the next parak, parak of Machalos Asuris. Now the Rambam says a new thing, and here it's tricky because the Rambam quotes a pasuk from Parshas Noach, which is from the Noachide Mitzvahs. But first he quotes a pasuk from Parshas Dvarim uh, Yudbeis, that's Akev uh, or A. Um, Ray, probably. Um, Ray. 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 Dan, you know, should know. No? Deuteronomy chapter 12. I'm pretty sure it's Ray. 
We learn from this from tradition. Don't eat the nefesh, the soul of the life, with the meat. Ari, Mazdov, you did not buy enough food this week. It's a new accomplishment. Baruch Hashem. Well, if everyone commits for next week, I have to extra. Okay. <laughs> so, so you should not eat the meat with the basar. Sorry, you should not eat the life with the basar. What does this pasuk mean? We know from Moshe Rabbeinu, tradition, this comes to forbid a limb that was cut off from a live animal. So in the previous chapter, the Ramah spoke about meat from a live animal, now we're talking about a limb from a live animal. And then the Rambam adds, concerning Ever Menachai, it says to the children of Noach, Don't eat. Again, similar wording. We'll see soon what the difference between the two wordings are. But don't eat Ever Menachai. Now, then the Rambam continues. What would be, what's the difference between Ever Menachai and Bosom Menachai? So, one is a limb, one is meat. But, but, but one look is nefesh. One has got the nefesh and the well, one's got a bone. Oh, very good. Right? What's your yeah. name, sorry? Rick. Reb Rick, Reb Yerach Mil. Reb Yerach Mil, Nathan. Yes. Reb Yerach Mil, Nathan says that um, if there's a bone. So that's precisely, well, it can, it's not only with a bone, but the point is that, that gets back to the kazais that we said before. Um... Basically, in the interest of time, I'm going to minimize the elaboration on this specific specific point. If you were to cut off an entire limb of a li- of an animal, even if that limb might be a huge bone or whatever it is, but it only has a tiny little bit of meat on it, and you eat that meat, you have malchus. In the previous chapter where we were speaking about basar minachai, we don't care about the bones, we don't care about the sinews, we don't care about anything. You have to eat, a, in order to violate that one, you have to eat a kazayis of meat, an, an olive's bulk of meat. When we're talking about aver minachai, if you have a complete aver, a complete limb of the animal, then it doesn't matter if there's a, the, the, even the smallest amount that you eat violates, uh, violates aver minachai. Okay? Now, if you just read this Rambam, you would think, so we have two mitzvahs, one is Basa Menachai, one is Ev Menachai. Which one of those two applies to Noachites? Just, you would think, Ava. just Ev Menachai. You would think just Ev Menachai, because Ev Menachai, the Rambam says, Right? Um, so, again, it's a different pasuk, but it's the, but virtually the same words, forbidding the Noachites from eating Ev Menachai. Whereas concerning, for Basa Menachai, for Basa Menachai, that's under the j- category of trefa. Trefa is one of the 613 mitzvahs. That doesn't apply to Goyim. And indeed, there are Rishonim who pass in this way. The, the Toysus seems to hold this way. There are Rishonim who hold that only Eivar Minachai applies to Goyim and not Basar Minachai. Mm. However, if you open the Rambam himself to Hilchus Malachim, where he talks about the laws to Noachites, he says, V'chein chayiv al Eivar Minachai, Goy is chayiv on Eivar Minachai, V'al Basar Minachai, and also on Basar Minachai, B'chol shuhu in any amount, Shalei nitnu hashurin el Yisrael bilvat. 
because the shiur and the, the, the amounts that you only have if you eat a kazayas or soy, whatever those amounts, are only relevant to Jews. For going even the smallest amount is a violation. But he says both, Ava Menachai and Basar Menachai. He holds Basar Menachai is Ava Menachai. Oh, so, so one second, one second. So the question is, um, the question is, the question over here is, the question is, the, the Rambam, it, the Rambam says there's two Yisurim, there's Basar Menachai, there's Ava Menachai. But then he says that a goy is also mitzvah on basam If basam is under the category derived from trefer, why should that apply to a uh, to a non-Jew? So Yochanan is saying that um, Yochanan's argument is, if I understand you correctly, is like this: You're saying what's the difference between basam and nev menachai? If you cut off a limb from a live animal, that's a very small limb, let's say, and there's only a tiny piece of meat. So you mitzad basam menachai, you will not be chayev. Why not? Because you didn't eat a kezayis of meat. But mitzad eva menachai, you would be chayev because it's a full limb. So that's only when it comes to yinin. But as far as goyim are concerned, the Rambam just said lenitnu hashirim elad yisrael bavad. Kezayis doesn't play more than the kezayis, less than the kezayis. Anyway, plays no role when it comes to goyim. So the reason why the Rambam says that Eva Menachai and Bosom Menachai are both um, uh, forbidden to Goyim is not because they actually have these two categories of Eva Menachai and Bosom Menachai. It's just because in practice there's no difference. The only difference is if, you, if, if Kazayis, more than a Kazayis, less than Kazayis, plays a role, then we need this difference between Bosom Menachai and Eva Menachai. But because, as far as Goyim are concerned, there's no difference between the Kazayis and more or less than the Kazayis. So Bemela, there's no difference. So Yochanan has Tzugatrof and Rabbi Yonis and Eibshitz. And there's a Sefer on Shachan Arach on Yerdea called Kresio Plesi from Rabbi Yonis and Eibshitz. And he says this answer of Rabbi Yochanan, that the attack of the reason why the Rambam says Ever and Basim and Achai for a guy is because as far as a guy is concerned, they're all one and the same. There is no difference. The difference is only for it. That's one answer to this question. So, so if a guy has a, a morsel of of without a lift at all. He would be Misa. He would be Misa for the head of... Firing squad. Of no. Actually, actually, it's still in the category of Eva Menachai. Eva Menachai. But, but, but why? I mean, it, it, we're, we're saying no that shir. because Shirim don't apply to it, but Eva Menachai has nothing to do with Shirim. Eva Menachai has to do with having a full limb and any amount attached to it. The animal's well, got to be dead maybe, before right? you eat anything from mm-hmm. it. Pshat. Say again. The animal has to be dead before you Adrian eat anything. Is, you don't need a you don't need a shear. You just need a limb. Okay, go on. Say more. You say, that's so good. I, I, so I don't understand how you could argue that if they have a, a, a morsel of a flesh that's not attached to a bone, that a guy would be chayavisa for that. I love this, guys. This is amazing. Bob, what did you like about last year? Everybody was in, right? Here, mm-hmm. Steve, Jochen, Ari, you're all saying mm-hmm. what all the mafarshim say. So. Ari is Atsugatrov and Abbas Sha'arim, and I'm going to uh, profess my Amaratsus here that I don't remember who the Abbas Sha'arim is. Re- what do you call it? Recognition for it. It's yours for it. You the the Abbas Sha'arim. Yeah. I just read it before we got here. <laughs> no, Google, go, go, Google over here. Who is Shut Abbas Sha'arim? I'm making my Amaratsus. I'm going to post my Amaratsus on YouTube over here. Abbas Sha'arim. Shalos Atsugatrov is Sha'arim. So he says like this. The Rambam says, remember we saw before the Rambam, that Ever Minachai is only when you cut off a whole limb. 
says, why is even Menachai only if you cut off a whole limb? Why you cut off half a limb? It's not even Menachai? Because the, the, the traje- trajectory of the animal is that it's going to be shechted. Right? So until it's shechted, the, until it's shechted, there's no even Menachai over here. Then you cut it off, it becomes Eivim Menachai. But while, in other words, while the animal is intact, there is no notion of Eivim Menachai. This leg is not an Eivim Menachai right now. It's just the leg of a living cow that's going to be shechted. You cut off the leg, okay, now it becomes an Eivim Menachai. Whereas as far as a Goy is concerned, there's no trajectory of it being shechted. He could do whatever he wants with it. So because he could do whatever he wants with it, the leg already has a status of aver minachai while it's attached to the animal. And therefore, even if you only cut off a small piece of meat, it's still considered aver minachai. Okay? That's a bit more lambdish. <laughs> okay. If it's not, it doesn't matter if it's shechted or not. It shouldn't be. It's still chai. It doesn't make any difference. Okay. I, the truth is, I wasn't planning to say this Beisharim. I only said it because you said it. Um, I wasn't going to say it because I anticipated that it would be a bit too lumpish and complicated and would get into too many arguments, which is not what we have time for. I love doing it, but it's not time. But I just want to say one more important point, which the Lecha Mishnah says, and I found that Ba'etzem, Lecha Mishnah says it, and I don't know the history well enough to know if the Lecha Mishnah, if the... Yeah, the Rashba and the Ramban already asked this question. I don't know if the Lecha Mishnah saw the Rashba and the Ramban and the but they basically asked the same question. And they say that even though the Rambam equates these two things of Eva Menachai by a Goy, by, by, by a Yid from the Pasuk in Parshish Re'eh, and Eva Menachai by a Goy from a Pasuk in Parshish Noach, the truth is if you look at the Pasukim closely, and I'm not sure if this is what you were trying to say before, um, Steve, if you look at the Pasukim clo- closely, there's a big difference. Because the Pasuk for the Yid says, Loisoichal Hanefesh Im Habasar. Don't eat. So, so what is it that you're not supposed to eat? You're not supposed to eat the nefesh, right? The, the the life. Now in this case, it's the life. So don't eat. It means don't eat the, the limb. But the lishayichal pertains to the nefesh. Whereas whereas for a guy, it says achbasar benafshi domi lishayichelu. The the the, the, the is going on the meat. Achbasar benafshi domi lishayichelu. So because so so for a yid we say don't eat the nefesh, and for a guy. We say don't eat the meat. The meat. So therefore, when you say don't eat the nefesh, the nefesh means. Um, so he says, wa, 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 oh. so he bases this on a Rashi. Why? Why, why is the nefesh mean don't eat a limb? Because wha, wha, when you take a piece of an animal, why is that called a nefesh? So he says it's called a nefesh because just like the nefesh doesn't replace itself when the animal's dead, it doesn't come alive again. So too, a limb doesn't replace itself. You cut off the leg; it remains an amputee. Okay. Whereas the piece of meat, if the animal lives, it will uh, it, it heals the flesh. So, therefore, uh, yid, don't eat the nefesh means don't eat a limb of the animal that would rem- that would not um, be replaced. Um, that would not be replaced. But but if you say but if you say for a goy where it's a chbasa benafshay, so so for the goy the prohibition is to eat the meat while the animal f- is alive. So that's why. So that's why the Rambam gets this from that for a yid. That, that both. So in other words, what comes out is that a yid, both a yid and the goy are not allowed to eat aver or basar minachai. The difference is that for a yid, aver minachai is from the pasuk leisechan lefeshem abasar. Leisechan lefeshem abasar doesn't tell you basar minachai. That's why we need this other pasuk of trefa to tell you that a yid also can't eat the basar minachai. But for a goy, 
both Basar and Eivim Menachai are all included in the one Pasuk of Leisichal Basar Benafshin Dami Leisichin. Okay. If I didn't hear all this, you know, I just heard that initial issue with the Rambam. <coughs> I think I would have said that that there there are two categories. There's one that applies to that. No, not exactly what you're saying over here. It's a little different. Would be that the Basar Menachai for a Ben Noach is eating the flesh of a live animal. But since Matan Torah, there was an extra layer that was added to this particular chet. Before that, the chet that we would have been violating, prohibition we've been violating, would be Basar Menachai. But now we also have the halacha of Trefa. So it's like yeah. now a higher level of chet because it's now it's, a, it's part of the Taryag. It's a different, different category. Ah, it might also be Basar Menachai at the same time. But we're going to talk about the real chet for, for a Jew. Not, not the Basar Menachai. That, that, that would have been the that would have been the chet if you were still been uh, still good. But ne- that's what I would have uh, you know just. Well, what's this going to do with? But after, but after hearing oh, all this oh, lumpus, I, I, I wouldn't say that anymore. But I'm just saying you know. Let's not forget the milk. Part. All right. So this is all about milk. So now I've got back to Al Gemara. So Al Gemara is assuming that milk should be forbidden because it's like Eva Menachai. Now, now that we see this whole category of ki eva minachai, but there's also basar minachai. So maybe, when the Gemara says that milk should be also because it's eva minachai, it doesn't actually mean that it is eva minachai. Surely, a milk is not a lip. Right. But the point is, it's ki eva minachai. In other words, it's basar minachai. Right? Just like meat, even though it's not an eva, but meat of a living animal is asr. So milk should be ki eva minachai. So... Milk should be key Eva Menachai. Yeah. Even if it's from an animal, but if it's from a baby from a mother, that would also be. You're saying a human baby? Yeah. You're saying, why is a human baby allowed to milk for the same price it right. should be Eva Menachai? Well, the truth is, in order to answer that question, you have to go back and ask, why is it forbidden to eat human flesh? Um, it's not so pashat why it's also the Rambam. The Rambam holds it's iser asay because the pasuk says zois hachaya asher techelu. These are the animals that you are hachaya. It uses the word hachaya. Hachaya applies to humans also. I, if I recall correctly, the other rishonim who hold that it's only a rabbinic prohibition to eat human flesh. Obviously, you can't kill, but to 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 to, to eat. And they don't have. They don't have. So as soon as someone dies, they don't have split hooves. How could you possibly? <laughs> it would be like violating the, you know, the uh, violating a dead body. Treating a dead dead body it would be like, you know. It's certainly not a lot. It's not safe. The Rambam says it's not a lot. But but if you go by a limb, it would you might, don't like a limb. It might be under the I, prohibition I of Balti Shaksu, you know, not, you know, not acting in a very uh, disgusting way, but it wouldn't go into anything very specific. <clears throat> It's quite clear, though. I mean, but I was just I saying, like, it seems like to me, have, like a limb. Well, that's the problem, right? That's the problem. So the, the, the okay. Here's the question. Let's, Frack, let's go to the milk. I've got to have my yeah. coffee stick. Frack, <laughs> <laughs> you have the, the, I think we should do another shoot to find out if that uh, creamer thing is kosher. I, I hope the answer is no. Now you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> you, Yochanan has good creamer. We have to find out where he gets it from. I drink black. That's not a good sign. So <laughs> maybe he holds. Okay, Agmanim. So this is a kasha that Mefarshim asked, Achrenim asked on the Gemara, which is really going back to Steve's kasha. 
How could the Gemara possibly? Yochanan is saying misvara. Yochanan is saying misvara. What do you mean? Milk is even menachai. Milk is basa menachai. Milk is the, how? Why should milk is certainly not a lamb, and it's uh, it's not meat from a chai either. You're saying misvara. It doesn't make sense. Okay, we'll get to that in a moment. But before misvara, before misvara, there's a pasuk. How could the Gemara entertain the notion that milk should be considered even menachai? Surely Avram gave them Eva Menachai, gave them milk. So it must be that milk is not Eva Menachai. Now, in Shailus Shuvah Sa'alaf the Chashleimah, which is written by Reb Shleimah Kluger, he says that from this Gemara we have proof not like the Rambam. The Rambam says, remember we said before, the Rambam says that a goy is forbidden for Eva Menachai and Basa Menachai. Other Rishonim we mentioned the Taisus say no. Basa Menachai is permissible to B'nai Noach. Only Eva Menachai is forbidden to B'nai Noach. Says Rabbi Shlomo this Gemara is a raya against the Rambam. Because obviously the Gemara doesn't mean that milk is an Eva Menachai. It means that it's Basa Menachai. Now it's not really Basa Menachai either. But it, the point is that what he says is that Basa Menachai means a derivative from a living animal. Once we go there, he says any derivative. Now I understand that it's a Chiddush and we could argue and how does it fit into the Pasuk of Basa Basada Shreifa. I, 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 I know all those arguments, but let's just first see what Rabbi Shlomo says. He says, um, just like we see that the Torah forbids a limb from a living animal, and he also forbids Basa from a living animal, so milk is like basa. So milk should be forbidden under the category of basa minachai, not under the category of ev minachai. Now you're telling me you should learn from Avram Avinu that he gave them milk? Oh, that's bnei noach. Bnei noach only have ev minachai. They don't have basa minachai. That's why he was able to give them milk. Says Reb Shlomo this Gemara and your kasha on this Gemara is a raya against the Rambam. The Rambam says that goyim are on. Eva Benachai and on Basim Benachai. It can be, it must be that the Goyim are allowed Basim Benachai. Otherwise, how could the Ram Avinu have given their milk? And the Gemara should have used that as proof that milk is not Eva Benachai, which means Basim Benachai. That's basically what Abshleim Kluger says. However, Rabbi Yosin Amshitz in Placey, he he says it differently, and I hope I'm understanding what he's saying. And I think this might address your problem with the whole thing as well. He says, the Gemara never thought that milk is Eva Menachai, and the Gemara never thought that Eva, milk is Basa Menachai either. Because milk is not a limb, and it's not a piece of meat either. Well, again, what's the source of Basa Menachai? Basa Menachai is Basa Basada Trefa. Basa Basada Trefa, the word of Trefa, the Rambam says, remember we said the Rambam adds his rationale to the Gemara. When meat has been removed from its natural habitat, yeah, that's, that's basically, if you look at the Rambam Paragdala, that's what he says. Um... I don't have it on this page. Yeah, the, the definition of trefa is milk that's be, uh, a meat that's been removed from its habitat. Another example, by the way, is if an animal starts giving birth, and let's say when when an animal is born, the, le- the, the the legs, the forelegs of the animal come out first. Yeah, so let's say the animal, uh, the the baby, the fetus, the legs, the forelegs emerge, and then it goes back. So those, that part of the animal that emerged, the forelegs, are forbidden to eat. That means later, once the animal is born and you shack the animal, you have to cut off those legs. Why? Because those legs are meat that have been removed from their natural habitat. Its natural habitat is in the uterus of the, of the mother cow. It's a big, big part. Right? So milk 
so milk is not basar minachai. I mean, Rabbi Yitzchak just doesn't say this in so many words, but uh, this is how I'm, I'm reading it, and I think this is what you were saying also. Milk is not removed from its natural... The natural habitat of milk is to be, be removed from the others. That's, that's the natural. Says Rabbi Yitzchak, it's a very important point. He says, this whole argument in the Gemara that milk should be like Eva Menachai is based on a line earlier in the Gemara. And you might have been wondering, why did I bother you with the whole long Hashak Levitai of the Gemara? I should have just gotten straight to the point. This is why. The Gemara said that I'm going to know that milk is not kosher because it says Hatmeim. And from Hatmeim, we learn out um, that anything that's not kosher, we also are forbidden to eat, to consume any of their discharge. Milk is a discharge of bus of Eva Menachai. The, the living animal cow is Eva Menachai or Basa Menachai, whichever one you want. Milk is not Eva Menachai and it's not Basa Menachai, but it's Ki Eva Menachai. It's a discharge of Eva Menachai. That's what the Gemara was saying. It's no different than like urine or something? Is that what yeah, yeah. A, the same Gemara talks about urine also. Uh, is that one second? Where's the urine? The urine may, no. It's not, uh, urine is also also, but it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's also learned out from derivative. It's in the Shulchan Aruch, Simon Pei Gimel. The Tshuva of Rabbi Yonis that I told you before, um, that's on the Shulchan Aruch where it talks about the derivative, Mei Raglaim and Mei Cholov and Mei Mei Cholov, different derivatives of milk and also urine, right? Says Rabbi Yonis when the Gemara says that Cholov is Kim Eve Menachai, it doesn't mean that milk is Eve Menachai, and it doesn't mean that milk is Basa Menachai either. It means that because we have the word Hatmeim to tell me that even the discharge, the Tziron, I'm using the word discharge loosely, Tziron is, is, is I think, juice that naturally flows, and Reutov is gravy that was cooked in it, and Kippah, it's probably a different type of gravy, I don't know, but, but in general it means liquid discharge, yeah? Um, since we know that anything liquid discharge of a non-kosher item is also not kosher, so the Gemara is saying milk sh- ought to have been forbidden because it's a discharge of Eva Menachai. And that's why we need the Pasuk of the land flowing with milk and honey to tell me that you are allowed to eat milk. What's your kasha now? How could Avraham Avinu have served milk to the angels? This is learned from Hat. The, the prohibition to eat discharge is learned from Hatmeim. Hatmeim is part of the 613 mitzvahs. Gentiles are not forbidden to eat discharge of Eve Menachai. So Rav Shlomo Kluge wanted to say that from the fact that the Gemara doesn't in, in, incorporate Avraham Avinu into this whole discussion, is a raya that goyim are not mitzvah in basa minachai, says Rav Obviously, he doesn't quote Rav Shlomo Kluge, but says Rav Yenison no, The Gemara is not saying that milk should have been forbidden of Eve Menachai. The Gemara is saying that because Jews, not goyim, Jews, are forbidden to eat discharge of Eve Menachai, Therefore, milk should, ought to have been forbidden, if not for the Pasuk Zavos, Chalim, and Vash. That's the story of Avram, Avinu, and the Malachim is completely irrelevant. Because mm-hmm. Goyim are not allowed to eat Eve Menachai, but they are allowed to eat a discharge right. of Eve Menachai. And so he's, he's being medayic, the Ke, uh, Ke Eve Menachai, it doesn't mean Eve Menachai. I'm being medayic that, I'm not sure if he's medayic that. But it's like the point is, is that for us, a, something that is Eve Menachai, that it's derivative of that, should be On the, Because of Hatmeim, which the Gemara quotes earlier and in that same sugya. Anything that's not kosher for us, which would be Eve Menachai too. Yes. The discharge of that. So that's what we're talking But that only applies to Jews. Exactly. Yeah. When it comes to Shavuos, there's a minag to eat milk eggs, right? Yeah. Because this whole, this whole Shiloh was was, uh, this is what I heard, the whole Shiloh was taken care of by Matan Torah. They knew at that time that you could have 
you milk. could have milchex. Till then, they didn't mil- eat milchex, or at least when they had the suffolk. What, what really? What is it really? I contend that it's not bichlal, aver minachai, or even discharge minachai. It's not. It's a, It's part of the food mechanism of the. You know, it's of. of that's how it suckles its young. That's how you know we we could use that food. It's a. It's kosher lechatchila. No, of course it's kosher lechatchila, but, but the Gemara is saying that it would have been a havamina. That it would be forbidden. You could so have yeah. a havamina, but it's so not. It's not from that Indian of it. Good. So we have to understand the havamina of the Gemara also, no? They, they made their own Havamina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have you on record saying right. that. <laughs>